to truly believe in the magic. Hey Magic fans and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Magic, an Orlando Magic podcast. And tonight you can see that it's down to uh, just Garanta myself. G, how you doing mate? I'm good, thank you mate. Um, exciting times for me, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, the countdown is well oh, and yeah. truly on now. Uh, I'll be getting the suitcase down this weekend and then I'll be, uh, you know, going through your Magic jerseys and trying to work out which to take. You know, you've been there Paul. It's an essential uh, part of the planning. It is, you isn't it? You haven't planned your Orlando trip if you haven't gone through your jerseys carefully, picking out what you're going to wear, mate. So, yeah, I'm with you, mate, with you, 100%, but 100%. Yeah, so yeah. i got a, a week to go. Um, in fact, this time next week, I'll be on the plane. So, uh, you know, obviously yeah. recording on the it's Friday night. been a pleasure night. talking to you, G. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, looking, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm excited for you going, mate. It'll be a good trip and you've got three good games. So I'm quite jealous. I'm not going to yeah. lie, mate. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but today, we are going to talk about... Well, the fantastic announcement around Paolo Banquero becoming an all-star for the first time. Uh, we're going to talk about the wider selections on the uh, all-star roster, where there's been any snubs. We're going to have a little conversation about uh, the play of Jonathan Isaac and a subject that G and I have a regular conversation on as we're watching games. <laughs> It, and it seems to have blown up a little bit this week, um, is around the NBA officiating. So before we get into it, today's episode brought in association with Attraction Tickets, which is the UK's number one provider of attraction tickets to and theme park hotels to Orlando, uh, to their theme parks, the attractions, and also to Orlando Magic Games. They sell the tickets at a very, very competitive price. So if you are planning your next Orlando trip, please make sure that you check out our link from the uh, affiliates page on our website or in the description of this podcast and check out attraction tickets. You can also visit us at letstalkmagic.com. That'll have all our affiliate links along with discount codes that we may have. So, G, let's get into this, mate. Um, we're going to start with Paolo. We have to talk... Paolo Vanquero, rightly being named as a first-time All-Star, a reserve for the Eastern Conference team. So, gee, good to throw it up and straight away. What's your thoughts, mate? Well, I, I was just telling you before we came on the part, um, I'd gone to bed. I uh, quickly got, got my phone, opened up the uh, League Pass app, and I thought, right, I know the announcement's going to happen. They went to the West first. I was like, OK, I'll have to wait up a little bit longer. That's fine. And of course, they kept us waiting until the very last reserve was uh, announced. So it was a, a little bit of a, you know, a sweat on just to make sure that, you know, Paolo got in. But thank God he, he got in. And boy, does he deserve it, you know. Yeah. Um, he, he just got to look at, you know, what he's done for the Magic, um, you know, in his second season. He's come on leaps and bounds. Um, you know, Vegas had the Magic winning 36 games all season. Uh, you look at where we're at now, you know, 25 and 23. So we're 11 games off and we're, we're recording this on, you know, what, the 2nd of February. Yeah. Um, so you've got a good three months to get those other 11 wins and then push on. Um, and then you've got to take into, you know, the fact that we've been uh, injury riddled as we always are. Um, so if you get a consistent roster uh, in Orlando, you know, Paolo's the man to, you know, drive the franchise forward. Um and his play's been exemplary, you know, in every in every which way. He's improved his three-point shooting, his assists, uh, and he's become that go-to player uh, down the stretch. Um, I think we saw a graphic at the I think it might be in the end of the Spurs game on yeah. uh, the Bally Sports broadcast. I think he was, you know, it, it very much in the top 10 of points scored in, in close games. So he's learning. Uh, as he's developing and uh, you know getting put into these situations, I know we'll talk about this a little bit later on. Um, it, it's only going to benefit him, and he's he's just turned twenty one. He's just turned twenty one. Scary, mate. Scary. I, I, we've we've spoken many times about what he did as a as a rookie, and you look at what he's doing now as a sophomore. He's leading this team. This is his team. Uh, yeah. We all have our favourites, you know. But I think every Magic fan has to acknowledge that this is Paolo's team. And he has become, as you say, at his age, 
a massive voice for this team. He is a exemplary public figure for the organisation. Um, and his play on the court is continually putting up uh, figures that are significantly better than his rookie season. I know you would expect to see some development, but the, but he is still, as we've said many, many times before, and we saw it uh, against the Spurs and in every game that we've played this week, facing double and triple teams consistently. And he has learned how to play with that pressure of being the star player on a team. And that's where the assists are coming up because he is finding ways to make other players better around him. I know there's many times that people have made the comparison, but his play is becoming more and more like a certain player that is referred to as King. Uh, he is he's spectacular. The man is absolutely spectacular. And I couldn't be more delighted for him to be getting that accolade. Now, looking at the January figures, I mean, how good have they been? 25.8 points. 6.9 rebounds and 5.6 assists per game. That is some spectacular figures. We saw him nominated uh, Player of the Week again. Yeah. Uh, his, his last week's figures. But gee, Embiid, not looking likely to be playing. No. Nope. With where do you think Paolo potentially gets the start? Now, before you say anything, I'm going to, we did ask Gary if he wanted to. Uh, to join me, yeah, but but unfortunately, for those that uh are aware, Gary isn't able to join us, he's got a little bit of an issue, um, that's prevented him being able to talk properly. So, he does, he says, with his <laughs> with his accent, he's under he's very difficult to understand at best times, anyway. This has made him <laughs> practically unintelligible. So, Gary, missing you, mate, get well soon, but he feels that, um. You're looking at Adebayo getting a start over Paolo if Embiid isn't available. But in his words, it's a hell of a victory for Paolo around the voices that matters, uh, especially having no televised games. So would you say that Paolo gets the start over Embiid? It's a tough one. We we spoke a little bit about this uh, off air, didn't we? Um, I mean... Sit, if you look at positionally and the fact yeah. that Bam's been there before, uh, the logical choice would be just to, to fit Bam in there. But you came across, you made a, a fantastic point, Paul, in that you know, you look at the all star voting, uh, and the way that Paolo scored, um, he was obviously uh, fourth in player ranking, uh, whereas Bam was fifth. Okay, fair enough. In yep. the fan voting, Paolo was sixth, whereas Bam was ninth. And then you've got the media ranking, Paolo fifth, uh, Bam fourth. So obviously you have the weighted score. So Paolo scored 5.25, whereas Bam scored 6.75. So you could either go on that or you could look at the numbers. So, you know, obviously, Paul, you read the, the numbers out a second ago. Bancaro, um, I think it's 23 points a game for the season, whereas Bam is 20, obviously, Add a bio play center, he gets a few more for rebounds, but then Paolo gets more assists. So it's one of these. Who do the who does the NBA want to have as a, you know your poster boy for, for the NBA going forward? Do you push Paolo into the limelight, even though he's not a true center? But you've got to remember this is a front court positionally yeah. and not a center. So you know they've obviously skewed this to forwards and centers grouped. Um and it's not like it's a competitive game anyway, is it? You know, you're not you're not having somebody down on the block posting up. Um and it, it's a bit of fun. Um so there's, there's no reason why you can't have Paolo Bancaro starting based upon those facts. I know you know you get Miami Heat fans uh, you know, probably raging if if Paolo did start, um, based upon the fact Bam's done it before. But for me, you know, you could flip a coin, really, couldn't you? You really could. Absolutely. But, but end of the day, who does the NBA want to push forward? Um, a 21-year-old, you know, sophomore who's got LeBron-like numbers, as, you, as you've stated, or, you know, a, ve a very, very good centre in Bam Adebayo. Um, but, you know, 
Is he the poster child? Probably not. I would like, I'm not going to lie, I, regardless of being a Magic fan, for that reason that you've just said, that it's not a competitive game. You're not necessarily playing for position. You're talking about, like you say, front court and guards. So you're talking about a front court position. And the the spread of voting, I think that Paolo deserves it um, to get that start if Joel Embiid doesn't uh, manage to make the game. I don't think you can argue against the three who were above um, Paolo okay. in Giannis, Tatum and Embiid. Phenomenal players, totally deserving those top three positions. To put... Adebayo in ahead of either Jalen Brown or Paolo, who finished joint on the weighted score, I think is a little unfair, personally. Um, I can see the arguments for it, and this is nothing against Bam at all or a Miami Heat skew, because I actually hope that if Embiid isn't able to play, that the player that gets put in in that Eastern Conference front court position is Jimmy Butler. I would hope that he's mm. the guy who gets that that spot, personally. Um, you know, I, I find Jimmy Butler quite a decent player, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, you've also got the problem with Julius Randle, obviously getting yeah. injured last Sunday. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's named, a, named as real, a reserve. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at likely two others joining. So, you know, was it Butler? And you're looking down, down the, um, the sheet... Porzingis, maybe, Mikael Bridges. They're the sort of three that come to mind, aren't they? That Siakam. missed out. Siakam. Um, he didn't feature on the voting results chart, no, he did didn't. he? No. Um, so, but that could be, you know, the fact that, you know, Toronto weren't having a great season, but obviously he's playing in Indiana now. Uh, Miles Turner's another one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair Miles point, Turner's man. another one. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we shall see. So, Please, any Miami fans that may be watching this, it's not a skew against Miami in this in this instance. We will accept that we do have it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is based on where people were in the voting. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, there's a little bit of roast into spectacles as far as uh, the magic skew is concerned. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. So, G, let's talk wider yes. than the magic perspective and looking at the two rosters. East and West. Any snubs for you? The one I was really surprised at. Now, I know they're not having the best season in the world. Uh, he plays for the Atlanta Hawks, who are 20 mm. and 27, is Trey Young. Um, you know, he's a, a phenomenal player. Uh, 27 points per game. You know, that's good for 11th in the league. He's second in the league um, in assists at 10.9. You know, you, everybody knows how good he is from downtown, 37%. Um, so I feel that, you know, he's potentially been snubbed, you know, to get those kind of numbers you expect to be in the conversation, don't you? But obviously with the uh, record Atlanta have got, um, and this is kind of what we saw with um, Franz Wagner, I think, um, and, and Gary, in fairness, made made this point in well, our do you chat. Want to, do, you want we... to put, do you want to put Gary's points across whilst you're doing that bit? Um, I haven't got them in front of me, so you. Oh, might okay. Be able to well, jump, I have, mate. I have, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, but carry on, G, and I'll and then I'll put what Gary had said. But essentially, what happened with Franz Wagner is because of the Magic's record, um, he possibly didn't get you know the weighted vote when it came to Rookie of the Year. Whereas Scotty Barnes, you know, the Raptors had a a much better season than the Magic did. Um, you know, even if you can. Pairing him individually, it might not be much in there, but because the Raptors had a superior record, then he got the sort of edge. So I think that's what's happened here with Trey Young. Um, when you look at some of the other players that got in, you know, but uh, there's a lot of them that, you know, are very deserving. Tyrese Halliburton, you know, and who's a starter. Uh, Jalen Brunson's been superb. Donovan Mitchell, especially the last 12, 13 games, has been on a tear. Tyrese Maxey, he's another one who's come into his own, scored 51 points uh, last night on the same night. He got, you know, uh, made an all-star. So, it's hard to see who you could take out there to put Trey Young in, if you're honest, because um, they're all very deserving. And I think Jeff Turner made a point on on the broadcast last week. You know, 
we've got how many? Uh, three, four, five, six. We've got twelve on the roster there for the you know for the Eastern Conference All Stars, shall we call them? Um, an NBA roster carries fifteen. Why not? So I agree. Should you you know open it out a little bit more? I know there's injuries, but um, you know there are other deserving players like Trey Young. Um, so go on. I'll let you carry on with Gary's point before I uh, come to my okay. Other well, one. Gary, as I say, we 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 wanted Gary to be included in this, so we did ask him for views on what we were going to talk about, and uh, he said in regards to the Eastern Conference that for him, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and Trey Young particularly had strong cases to be included. Um, Barnes having dropped off a bit recently, uh, and being outside of the fan voting uh sorry and outside of the fan voting it won't have gone unnoticed that he's had a drop in form um paolo slow start for the season but seemingly improves consistently uh and is leading a winning team whereas the raptors which are barnes's team uh aren't on a winning record and he also added that team record was a legitimate argument as you've said around uh, Scotty Barnes' Rookie of the Year campaign, uh, which was the rule why Franz should not have been in the running, according to some. Um, He also says that he can see the love for Derek White of the Boston Celtics, but how can you legitimately argue that he should be above, say, Tyrese Maxey or Trey Young in the guards? Uh, But he doesn't think that Trey Young is as widely regarded um, as we kind of think that he is. Yeah, no, that's, that's all fair. I mean, we're in a like a NBA uh, UK fans group chat with, with the other sort of, um, you know, owners of other teams. And the Boston Celtics guys yesterday were like, Derek White's been snubbed, Derek White's been snubbed. And I'm thinking, come on, guys, grow up. Okay, they've got the best record in the East. But this guy's averaging fifteen points. I know, I know you can look past the past the points and the you know the the stats and the you know stuff that doesn't turn up on the box score. But Derek White's figures: fifteen point seven points, four rebounds, four point eight assists. You, you know that if you look at those stats, you know they're, they're not top forty-five in any category in in the association. And you compare that with Trey Young, who's been snubbed, who's, like I said before, he's second in the league in assists, 11th in scoring. Um, You know, he's a gunslinger from downtown. I can't see how you could have Derek White in before Trey Young, if I'm honest with you. Um, And Derek White's, you know, one of those glue guys that, you know, a good team needs, good defensively. But this is an all-star game. Uh, The NBA want to put on a show. They want the the most spectacular players, you know, who are going to wow people, you know, the oohs and the ahs. You're not getting that from Derek White, I'm afraid. So that's why Derek White is a no from me. So that was my only other point. So Trey Young I'd have in, but Derek White, I wouldn't have anyone near it. I think, I think, I mean, Derek White is a fantastic, he's a, he's one of those glue guys yeah. that does everything for a team. His, his um, importance to Boston goes beyond the the box score, but that doesn't get you into an All Star game necessarily. You know we've seen it with other players in the past. Um, I I think Siakam is quite unlucky. I'm I'm not going to say anything. Would you have him in over Randall? Personally, yes. Okay. Personally. Um, right. I think you're looking there at records again, and the New York exactly, Knicks have been mate. on an absolute tear this January. You, know, you look at Pascal's been in, in figures, status wise, he's ahead of Paolo, he's ahead of Bam, he's ahead of Jalen Brown, and he's ahead of uh, Julius Randle in certain categories, important categories. But having spent most of the season with that sub 500 Toronto Raptors team, that's probably, I think, impacted on his his case. Bit bit, bit later now, um, and where, the way things are, how he's playing, then yeah, I think he's been unlucky. I think uh, that same argument goes for Scotty Barnes as far as the uh, Eastern Conference team goes. But other than that, I, I, I think the only guy who 
I would personally look at, I think you've been really unlucky, is uh, Butler for me in the in the Eastern Conference. But who who do you take out at their expense? Because when you look down uh, the Eastern Conference team, I think it's difficult to yeah. argue against some of the players that are included. With the, as you say, with the result of the injuries, there's going to be a couple coming. Um, both are going to be you'd potentially look at as being um, the front court guys with uh, Embiid and Randall potentially being out. So you'd imagine yeah. that Butler's going to get in and you would imagine that, well... Either Porzingis or Bridges, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, perhaps Siakam. Siakam or Turner. Yeah. Yeah. There but you but I, can, I can see where certain, where certain fan bases are saying, hang on, we're getting ignored here. So let's talk West because, okay. my God, there's some controversy there. That team, my gosh, that Western Conference All-Star team is something special. And that's where you put your money on, you know. Oh, yeah. We love, yeah, we yeah. love the East, but, my gosh, that, that's got some talent, hasn't it? <laughs> that's, it's frightening, let's be yeah. honest. That team is absolutely stacked. So is there anybody after that, mate, that you would say? you wouldn't have had in. Oh, it's difficult to, to pull somebody out, isn't it? Um, yeah. I haven't got all this stats right in front of me. And, uh, you know, you're looking at that starting five. That's a lock. That is, that is an absolute lock. Um, you know, LeBron, KD, Jokic, Doncic, and SGA. No, you, you're not touching that, you know. Um, and then you look at the reserves, Anthony Edwards, he's having a great season. You can never take Steph Curry out of anything. Kawhi's having a good season. Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. If there was anyone I'd pull out, I'd probably be Paul George, just because I'm not that big a fan of him. Uh, but yeah. he's 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 a very good player, very capable. Um, so, you know, you asked me to look at somebody I'd throw in. Um, and I'm just surprised somebody from the Sacramento Kings hasn't made it. Yeah. Now, you know, George is probably in the forward uh, slot here, so you're looking at Demontis Sabonis for me. Um, Absolutely, I just right. had a look at his stats. You know, 19.9 points a game, which is good for 47th in the association. First in rebounds with 13 a game, and um, seventh in assists as a you know a playmaking big man with eight. So you're averaging 19.9, three, 13, and eight. So you're flirting with a triple double there every night. So I think he's. Very, very unlucky to not make the cut for me. Um, I'd have, I'd have him in, um, but then, yeah, it, it's it's so difficult. How about you, Paul? But I, I don't see how you can argue against Sabonis's inclusion. You know, they mm. are, they are above the Phoenix Suns, who have two All Stars. They have, yeah. they are above the Lakers. Sabonis is, I didn't realise this until we were sitting and doing a bit of research around this, he's one triple-double behind Jokic this season. Average, wow. And averaging 19.9 points in the uh, a league leading 13 rebounds and eight assists. Yeah. That's solid figures. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. But the guy I'm more surprised at that didn't make it is the guy that we're going to talk about with Jonathan Isaac later on, Victor Wembyama. Yeah, yeah. I, I when I looked down that list and it took me a second to realise that he's not included. I was genuinely shocked. Um, I think I would have actually preferred to have seen Wembyama play in place of Anthony Davis. I would agree with that. <laughs> He's a Laker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other uh, they're not, but they're not having a good season. The Lakers, but they always yeah. get in just because they're the Lakers. Um, yeah. Yes, um, but I, I, mean, I do. Have... I do genuinely feel for when we are. I, mean, I know we're going to talk about this. Is he having a better season than Paul George as well? Uh, mate, I probably so. Again, probably I've not got so. the figures in front of me, but yeah. Average. Oh, see, hang it? on. I'll pull uh, them up now. Give me two seconds. I'll pull them up. Over the last six, his last 
Wemby's figures, because I did the game preview, I've got a few bits still left that I didn't actually use. But averaging over his last 16 games, 24.2 points, 9.3 rebounds, 3.4 assists, and 3.4 blocks. And that is in un, in just 26 minutes a game play. That's phenomenal. It is. It is. I mean, right. you know, I've, got, I've got his figures here, Paul. I've got, got his mate. figures. Right. Points, 20.6. Rebounds, 10.1. Assists, 3.1. While shooting 46.5% from the field, 30%. Was that? No. Where's the downtown figures? Um, the last last five games, and he's shooting. Yeah, it's just thirty percent from uh, three. But he's not. You know, he should be down on the block, really, shouldn't he? Um, and then how many blocks? Three point two, and that's probably league leading as well. That when be honest, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, and it's, as I said before, you know, they want to have somebody as a poster boy for the league. Do you want? No offense to Paul George, you know. Do you want to? an aging star or you better off you know showcasing the best of what is to come uh he'll obviously obviously get a, a run out in the um you know, rookies versus sophomores or, or whatever they do for that but um you've got to have him in there i think he he is a talent and you know i'm sure we'll talk about the magic playing the spurs uh in a little bit and you know the effect that he had um against us so um and another one has missed out, and I'm going on about the Sacramento Kings. It's almost like this is my second favorite team, the Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. But 27 points a game, four rebounds, five assists. But that Western Conference, man, is just stacked. Absolutely yeah. stacked. Um, the other one go on. that I think is that in some ways I'm not surprised. But again, when you go into it, you realise that how, how much of an impact this guy's having, marking him. For the Utah Jazz, yeah, yeah. Um, impl- uh, this is a stat. Uh, just doing a little bit of research. In players with at least thirty games this season, he he, he is fourth in points per touch ratio. He's scoring that often. He's eighteenth in total threes. And 26 in dunks, only he and Jason Tatum are top 30 in the league in both those categories. He's special. He, he's really come out of his, you know, show oh, yes. really, since he's yeah. gone to the Utah Jazz, in fairness. Um, I mean, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but if you're having somebody from the Clippers who's, I think, Harden's had a bigger impact on their season so far. Than Paul George has. I know that there'd be different categories as yeah. far as front and backcourt. And you know, I'm no fan of James Harden. No, I guess the only thing with but, the Clippers is there's so many of them. Yeah. On the what about team. Sengun, and, mate? I know. It, yeah, he's having a fantastic. <laughs> I mean, this, this, you could have a th- this, you could have a, a set third conference, couldn't you? And just have yeah, the Western this, reserves. This is where this is where I would love to see the rosters extended. Yeah, to fifteen, because there's too many. There's too many good so, players missing out. So who would you? I mean, you know, just going back to James Harden, that his stats are down. Yep, seven seventeen points a game, eight and a half assists, but he's shooting it well from deep. But obviously, he's getting a bit more space like in. A you know, on a talented team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's shooting a career um, high forty one point three percent from deep. We haven't even talked about Jamal Murray. I know. You know. <laughs> My gosh, the Western Conference is ab Rudy Gobert, yeah. previous defensive player of the year. Now I know the All Star game isn't made for defensive players of the year, but is is at is least four, enough? five, six players there that deserve some sort of uh, you know recognition that they're that good. Right, it's this. Uh, I suppose so you, it shows what a strength we have in the NBA at this moment in time. The, the the depth of players. I mean, don't get me wrong. There have been many years before. Uh, this is a perennial discussion, isn't it? When the league yeah. when the league announces these are the reserves, this is the first conversation that everybody has. Yeah, who snubbed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it, but it, but it is an interesting conversation. 
And that's one of the things I love about sport in that it's not just about what's on the pitch in front of you or the court in front of you. It's yeah. that discussion. You know, how many hours have you sat around a pub or wherever else discussing yeah. what's happened and what, what could have happened? But do you know what else, though, Paul, right? There's nobody on the New Orleans Pelicans there. Yes. Yeah. Anthony Simons. Okay, Portland are not having the best season, but he's a bona fide scorer. We've spoke about uh, Simons, you know, on previous podcasts. There's teams there not even represented or even mentioned. Um. Yeah. It's, uh, so going back to Sangoon, sorry, we we kind of um, just yeah, went we, past yeah. that very quickly. You know, he's having a fantastic season. Uh, I know Gary is a big big fan of Sangoon. Uh, 21 points, uh, 9.2 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, but obviously, as we've mentioned previously, the Rockets, you know, uh, record has probably hurt his chances. Um, just one of those, isn't it? We'll Kyrie Irving's like, we didn't even mention Kyrie Irving. I'm just thinking of the other Texas teams. Yeah. Absolutely loaded that last. That's that's a comment that is on a lot of the um, threads on X. Yeah, no Kyrie, it's ridiculous. And the guy's had an impact. I mean, he he has found his form again this season. Uh, you feel for him being out injured when he's playing so well. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I know we've not always been complimentary about him, but he has he's found something again this season, and more power to him for it. Yeah, you know, coming back to Gary, um, he <laughs> his comments for for the West, mad madness that a member of the Kings didn't make it. I yeah. guess again, it's who at the expense of. He would have gone Sabonis over Cap, maybe, um, which is I think. But the, but the Wolves are number one in the league in yeah. the West, right? And and he, Carl you know Towns has has found. Uh, you, for writing the the preview for the magic game against them, you look at he's found health. He's being effective on scoring. He's effective on rebounding. You can see why he's there. And as you've said, top of the West, leading the West. Yeah. He also said though, as you just alluded to, <laughs> also good to see the love for Sengun that's happening, uh, and he might be up. He might end up as the best player in that draft class. Open brackets. Sorry, friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I, th- no. I think I think I, mean, I like Sengun. I enjoy watching his play, um, and I do think he's been quite unlucky but the strength of that western team you look at things mm. it's genuinely a if you removed paul george we'd probably be sitting here saying but look at what paul george is doing this season potentially yeah, yeah look at would. what carl anthony towns is doing look at you know whether he's having his best season or not and whether we are fans anthony davis is an impact player when he is fit yes uh, so you you you're arguing about well if we put this player in, you've got to then I think justify who you're taking out and why that person is not that player for you. I, tell you I what, don't I'm think so- I'll be honest, mate. I think that the the coaches in picking the reserves have done a good job, and there's an argument for every single one of them that got in, but there's equally an argument mm. for a good dozen players besides. Are you surprised Austin Reeves didn't make the list? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, do you know oh, what? I haven't, sure. I haven't looked at the Western Conference final standings as far as voting goes. I know we've got, I've put, I've got the Eastern Conference ones. Never looked at the West. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing that um, he hasn't been in the lists of, why has he been snubbed? Because I haven't yeah. actually seen his name in it. No, I'm just going to pull up his figures to see how he's doing this season. I know he had an absolute killer game last night. Obviously, oh, yeah. the uh, Lakers beat the Celtics without LeBron and AD. Um, That's what made it impressive. In in the game that we were like, can both teams lose? Um, Austin Reeves, here he is. Right, so he's average. He's 15 and a half points, 
four rebounds, five assists. So his figures haven't nothing, been out good nothing this Nothing to shout about, really, no. is it? No, he's a, he's one of these guys who elsewhere is probably going to be one of your main main leaders as far as the team goes. You know, you look at what Kuzma yeah. has, has done now. He's gone away from the Lakers. But being mm-hmm. on that team with that pair, you have a more supporting role, shall we say. Yeah, great. So, great. let's get into it, G. Let's get into the magic um, and our road play. My God. Yeah. Before San Antonio... <laughs> Seven of Orlando's prior eight away games had seen a final score within five points. Can you heart cope with it, mate? How are you feeling about this? Uh, I phoned the doctors a little bit earlier today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just uh, an appointment for my little heart. Um, no. <laughs> um, well, the good thing is there's no, you know, even if we lose, there's no blowouts. You know, yeah. uh, and we haven't seen many, you know, blowout wins either. So we're competitive for 48 minutes generally, which I guess is a good thing, especially, you know, seeing as, as I mentioned before, uh, we've had injuries. But this is just the 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 growing, isn't it? Um, and I think Paolo alluded to it earlier this week. You know, everything's happening for a reason. You grow, you get better, you find ways to get better. So... As we're going through this, we're getting into situational, um, you know, circumstances where we're finding, like the San Antonio game, you know, you let an eighteen-point lead slip to was it three or one? I can't even remember what it was. So losing five lead, points, wasn't it, mate? Was were we twenty-five points up at one point against San Antonio? Was it twenty-five? And they got back to within three. Yeah, within three. Um, so it's the learning, you know, how to cope. Um, losing leads, taking leads at the end, closing games out. Uh, obviously, it's uh, a learning curve for Jamal Mosley as well, you know, as and when to put Jonathan Isaac in there for defensive purposes. Um, seeing what works, seeing, you know, uh, which players fit well with each other. Because um, he's not going to just have a, you know, magic crystal ball. We all love that, but he needs to see them out on the court playing against the other professional athletes drawing up plays um seeing what works you know it's generally give it to paulo but paulo's got a experience you know having the ball at crunch time five seconds to go you've got five seconds to make some, something happen and we've seen him made things happen but at the same time we've seen him give the ball up against miami so it's all learning and it's an experience isn't it so um We've said at the beginning of the season, you know, we expected maybe 43 wins or so, 41, 42, 43. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, at least a play-in, if not a playoff spot. We're on course for that. We've had injuries. God, I mentioned it third time in, in the podcast now. Um, but it's it's literally all a learning curve. Um, and we're basically finding out who we want to continue with. Because at the moment, you're looking at our roster and, you know, Paolo, France, Suggs and Isaac. I'd say they're the four untouchables. I don't think there's anybody outside of those four that you'd say, right, you know, I'm not going to move him for, you know, somebody who could better the team. Now, I know there's a couple of rookies on there um, and other players who are very valuable, um, be it the locker room or talent-wise. Um, but it, it's about, you know, growing to be, to be where we want to be. Do you agree? Oh mate, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say what Gary said first. Um, yep. Magic road play for him. It's all coming down repeatedly to health and guard play. Um, the other thing I would throw in there, and I, I guess it's partly related to guard play. That's our turnovers. The number of turnovers that we've committed in these close games has hurt us so many times. Pick up a couple of extra points from those empty possessions or those stretches where we go ridiculously cold. Um, you know, the that that fourth quarter in San Antonio was an, another example where mm-hmm. we had turnover city and uh 
a, a long cold streak we we clean up on those small issues and it is a fine margin we clean up those fine margins and mm. we are a very very good team and we're not talking then about so many of these games coming down to these fine margins or being losses we're then talking about potentially having kept the momentum to keep that lead that we've developed or we haven't dropped so far back that the recovery fire that we've had to put on to get 19 20 points back uh has been too little too late and i th- i think we've i do think we're very close i think we're one piece possibly two away from uh being i'm not going to say the finished article but I will say a seriously good team, a seriously mm. good team, because at this moment in time, we can play anybody. At this moment in time, we can play anybody and give them a hard game. I, yeah. I think Gary's point about guard play is incredibly accurate. Uh, we've seen Cole have a slump. It was good to see him put 11 points up against San Antonio just to get a little bit of flow back. I think in this past week, we have seen, and you're going to love me for this, we have seen the importance of Markel. We See, have seen listen, the listen to me, listen to me, I, isn't it? I, you know full well, I've never had it. I've never yeah, had a no, with I know it. Markel. I know. I've, had a, I've had issues around his availability. That's, yes. been my, that's been my sole concern with Markel. I can live without the three-point shot necessarily being uh, a thing of beauty or a thing of great accuracy. He hits one mm. or two, fine. But he is such an important piece when it comes to that calm head, when it comes to creating yourself, creating the team a chance. That pace as well. Basket that that pace, that drive to the basket is electric. Um, And I think these games this week have actually shown his importance to the team. Uh, We missed him in was Dallas. We what? I was just about to say it was the Dallas game. You know. We had a fantastic. You and I were messaging when we were watching that game, yeah, and we were. We were um, I think we were about thirty we seconds like, within one another, weren't we? Aren't we, we were, we were, we were. But you know, Jonathan, when we started, you know, the death lineup, should we call it? You know, with Jonathan Isaac in, with Suggs, Wagner, Bankero, and Wendell. Um, you know that that lineup is enough to scare anybody. But then, obviously, Isaac was on a, a minutes uh, restriction, so he didn't come out in the second half. I think if he'd come out for a couple of minutes in the second half, we might have won that. Um, but the problem occurred in the third quarter. We, you know, had the third quarter collapse, but it was the ball movement, wasn't it, Paul? Um, we were messaging about this. Yeah. But if I think if you had a legitimate, calm head point guard, and that's no offence to Anthony Black, Cole Anthony, they're both very, very good players. But Markel brings so much more. He just he can see the floor. He can just pen. I say this every week. He can penetrate in the paint. He can just make little drop offs. It just felt like we were settling for long jumpers all the time, and we were. When Markel's not on the floor, I almost feel like we always go to down to the nub with the, with a the shot clock. Do, do you find that? Yeah, I can see what you're um, saying. That. Um, and when we ended up just shooting up, you know, like a Jalen Suggs contest three or a step back three right at the at the buzzer, not good percentage shots. So, yeah, totally, totally agree with what you say about you know the the what Markel brings. But right, well, in the in the Dallas game, you can't be criticizing Anthony Black anyway. Oh no, it was no, 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 no. no his shooting was saying, good, but you yeah, can't yeah, yeah. criticize him because because of the performance he put in. He was, oh, he was brilliant. He was absolutely huge brilliant for us, absolutely huge yeah. for us. But mate, we have to talk about that that guy who you've mentioned him. It would have been lovely to see him for a final two minutes, three minutes down the stretch against Dallas. Jonathan Isaac, we can't ignore him. This His play and that battle he had with Wemby Armour, how much fun was that to watch? Absolutely brilliant. You know, when they stood next to each other, Jonathan looks a little bit miniature, (laughs) shall we say, next to Wemby. Um, But he absolutely held his own. And what I liked what Orlando did just in general was they, you know, they weren't... 
intimidated by him. Yeah. We, we went to the cup. We we um, we got a few shots blocked, but you're not scared. They got a few past him. Um, but then yeah, Jonathan Isaac's defense. You know, Wemby was back on the floor. Ji was back on the floor. It it was quite a spectacle, wasn't it? And um, I think he was blowing at halftime when he when he was having that interview. That interview you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that interview as well because <laughs> he could he. They clearly gone through all the tape. They clearly got all the stats. He knew everything, but it was absolutely obvious that he'd walked out on that court and gone, "My God, this guy's big!" Yeah, uh, yeah. and he alluded to how good he is. Uh, I was super impressed by Wembyana. I, I really think the guy's super. But you look at what Jonathan Isaac did. Um, yeah. what, he's, he's such uh, an asset. Yeah, he such an asset. Twenty-one points on the night Wembyana did. But against Jonathan Isaac, he was held to two of seven shooting by JR. And there were points where Wemby Armour got the ball and went, no, oh, you can have it, and passed it to somebody else because he wasn't getting by. JI suffocated him. His yeah. defensive ability absolutely suffocated him. Uh, the eight minutes that he had in Dallas, another defensive masterpiece. It, like you said, it was so disappointing that we couldn't see him down the stretch for two or three minutes. I know that the team had got him on a minutes restriction uh, and they'd also said that he did have a minor niggle, injury, ache, whatever you want to call it. But for me, the positive side of things, aside from him having his first start since January the 1st, 2020, was that we actually saw him on a back-to-back. That was something we'd said the week before, that it would have been nice to just see him have a few minutes, even, even a eight, ten-minute appearance. Yeah. It was good to see. And the way he played KD the night before. Yeah. My God. He absolutely tied that man up and held him to his second lowest scoring performance of the season, 15 points. He's had a week. What he, a has. he has. Um, so nice to get am... that W against KD as well. It's been yeah. it's been 10 years. I want to get that Titanic uh, gif out. I mean, if the guy if the guy can stay fit and get um, increased minutes, he is still defensive player of the year category, without a doubt. Well, you just think of the you know potential matchups in the playoffs. Just just say we get the eighth, you know, after the play in, and we play Boston. You put Isaac on Tatum, and if he can play thirty minutes, Isaac in the playoffs, you know Tatum's going to have his hands full. So you're down at Jalen Brown, then you got Jalen Suggs running around after him. You know, it's not going to be that easy for the Boston Celtics. So, you like, know, having you, Isaac there is just... That's interesting what you've just said there about if he can play 30 minutes. Because Gary, um, I know you've said you've not got those in front of you, but Gary's actually know, yeah. said, if J.I. can play 30 minutes per night and no injuries, we're a top four seed in his opinion. Uh, and his other words are, it's soul-destroying knowing that we have this game-altering star level producer and we can't use him as we want to fair point yeah no definitely fair point. i think it's time that you and i got onto a favorite subject oh, mate here we go here we go <laughs> strap yourselves now, in. <laughs> now before we start i'm going to say this is not us sitting here slagging this slagging it off we are talking about another week that has seen varying quality of officiating across the NBA. And it culminated, I suppose, in Anthony Edwards' comments and him getting a huge fine. Gene, we've said you and I often talk as we're watching the games. um, We're often within a minute or two of one another as we are watching the next day. So we have almost live conversations. And so often the officiating comes up. Uh, yes. I think the, the Dallas game that particularly bemused us this week with the Dallas Phoenix. <laughs> oh, but mate, the Dallas one wasn't it with the um... the 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 three pl- the, four, the three, three to throws make four to make and, yeah. three to make four. I've never heard of that in all my life. So, gee, somebody wants to explain it, they're more than welcome yeah. to come on and explain it to me because I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, that was thoughts. Well, some um, of the issues here. Uh, what of uh, what, 
what we decided to talk to try and think up was ways to make it better than we currently have in the league, and that is as that has been acknowledged by I think it's the commissioner of the NBA that officiating needs to be improved and communication needs to be improved. So come on, mate, let's get into it. Uh, do you want me to start with some of the suggestions? Yeah, you, I've seen? You, yeah you start with some just suggestions that you've got there. Some, I've got, some, I've of got suggest- some of the suggestions I have seen as we've been reading about this subject this week is to have extra officials. I'm not sure how that works because you've still got to have consistency. I think the one I do like and I've, I've liked for some time is trying to recruit ex players into being yeah, officials. I, like I think that's. I think at the risk of slowing the game up, I think that the challenge system needs to be a little overhauled. I think you should be able to have an increased number of challenges, be it one per quarter and keep it if you are successful. I would. I don't think that's over asking. Um, no. No, because in fairness, to jump in there, no, we obviously mean. we had a challenge against San Antonio, which... You know, we blew the challenge in the second quarter, I think it was. And then there was a couple of incidents later in the game. Um, who was it? Dominic Barlow travelled and made a layup. And you're like, travel? We we literally had nothing we could have said or done to see if we can get that overruled. Um, just one incident, uh, perhaps. I, but the fact your hands always... are tied, yeah. it, it, it's just... It doesn't make sense. Or it should be at least, you know, one per half. Yeah, I agree. But so I think you need more challenges. And I don't honestly believe it slows the game up that much more because no. we have, at this moment in time, we see delays as players are stood debating that call. You, you've already got those delays. Um, another one I've you- seen... And it gives you a chance to go and get a beer, doesn't it? You know, absolutely. Think of the sales increases in the in the arena. Uh, Another one that I've seen uh, is that the challenges are done by the replay centre and not the officials involved. So as they, yeah, that's a very judging themselves. Uh, Suspensions is another suggestion. (laughs) I like that. I mean, some oh, of them God. we'd never see. No, I know. I know. <laughs> so, no, no uh, names mentioned. <laughs> and another uh, suggestion that there's been uh, uh, is that the officials are available for post-game interviews mm. with the media. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how much that actually improves the game that one particularly I, I'm I'm a fan of ex-players particularly being officials I am a fan of that idea uh, and I am a fan of changing the challenging system to, to have an increased number of challenges I like the idea of the challenges being done away from the officials who made those decisions and not part of that officiating team and I also think that we have to look at some of the uh, extending the items that you can challenge upon because it's yeah. a moment in time there's certain things that you look and think that's a clear error but it mm. doesn't fall within the remit of being able to challenge um and i think yeah. that there that so i think that it there's little tweaks that the league can do um but for me you know- mate do you know what Persistent, I have in? In, in the Premier League, they have a table for the officials, and it tells you how many bookings that official's made, how many yellow cards he's given out, how many red cards he's given out. Um, and, you know, it's just readily available to anyone just to have a little look. You know, um, probably for betting purposes. You know, every weekend really. But if you had a league table on the officials, just categories like most overturned calls from challenges, for one. Yeah. Um, just so, you know, it just you want to just try, you want to help them. You want to try and make them better at their That's job. The That's all you were asking. In And this is where I said 
that at the start of this that we aren't here criticizing because you're talking about a game that is extremely fast moving yeah players are moving at great pace i mean we've been in we've all been sat in arenas and marveled at the speed of these guys yeah thought process the the speed that they handle the ball at and you are asking people with the naked eye to look and pick up what is happening across multiple players at once now i realize that one official is supposed to be looking at this part of the court and the other one is looking at that part of the court and the other one is looking where the ball is uh, those sorts of things but there are mistakes and there are things that you look at and think well why is that not being looked at you know um one that you weren't happy with this week was we were affected by it with a pivotal point in the game um Pivotal period, uh, important play because it uh, gave, I think, uh, them the lead was the eight seconds. Oh, ball. Derek Lively camping a yep. tent in the lane. Yeah. <laughs> and that that was... I think he probably had a sleep in there as well. If, if you fail to notice, that was that was obvious live and it was Larry. picked up in the, late, in the last two-minute report. Yep. Pivotal possession. Now, again, we aren't sitting here saying that all oh, the magic would have won that game were it not for the officiating. The the reason we lost that game is far and beyond anything to do with officiating. Although we were frustrated by it. We were frustrated by it. And there was more than one call where we weren't happy. And I think you're going to... In that game, we did come up against... Um, I wouldn't call it the all-star... The, the star calls but what i will say is the head flop the player who exaggerates certain facets of their game the player we hoped to be joining the magic in a couple of seasons who used to be coached by jamal mosley and to me to me he's not the only one though is he i mean to me no 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 no, no. it's 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 dishonest it's not you know, oh, and you it's not that's not the official, that's not down to the official that that player is playing in that way. And I, I understood, I thought that the flop call was being brought in to try and, yeah, it's not been, but that's not been, no, we've had a couple of minor calls, haven't we? But we haven't yeah. seen it enough to, just to sort of, um, you know, make which suggests that that rule think. is too hard to, to implement. Yeah, or they're just or too, too scared controversial. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so uh, again, there's something else that I think can be looked at to help the officials because I, that it's either too difficult. I mean, we we see it week in week out watching football over here in the UK. The handball ruling is just ridiculously complicated. Nobody knows what it is, and it leads to massive controversy every week. And I think there are certain things in the NBA as well that it's too difficult legislation-wise to implement it properly. And that's where you don't get the consistency, which is where so many of us get frustrated. You don't get the... Sometimes you're not getting consistency from that same official throughout the game. And there's certainly not each official calling it the yeah. same. You know, you look at... What was it this week? The In that last two-minute report, the... We'll come to the Anthony Edwards one. Let's talk about that, where SGA sort of grabbed his arm and the leap that it wasn't called at the time as a foul. And the last two-minute report uh, doubled down on what was a clear error, called it, uh, was it? Minimal incons- contact. Minimal contact, inconsequential inconse- oh, okay. contact. Right, go back to last season and Jason Tatum, did exactly the same thing to LeBron James. And the league officials were apparently having sleepless nights about it. Because it's the Lakers. And doubled down on that same call, SGA on Ant-Man this time around. It doesn't make sense again. So you look at those two incidents and they are identical. Hmm. And there's no consistency from the NBA officials on their... uh, 
the overarching I'm not talking about the individual official on that night. We're talking about the um, the organisation. One, it gave them sleepless nights. One, it's minimal contact. Which well, you, is it? No, I know. And then that same game, you know, LeBron having that absolute tantrum oh, on the floor. Rant. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, Vucevic and Bamba and people in the past have, you know, slammed the ball against the, you know, the... The end of the end of the basket, and you know we get a technical, but LeBron's allowed to rant and you know have a little paddy on the floor, isn't he? But no technical uh, for LeBron. Was, I think the closest we've seen for it this season was, and I'm struggling to remember which game it was, but Jamal Mosley was. Oh, he's eyes living, wasn't he? Did I send he, you a photo of the group? Yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. I, he was, and I forget which game it was, and you could see. That the official was kind of it, stood there. I think thinking, it was Miami. For, it might well have been, but you yeah. can see that the official stood there thinking, "I've got to let you have this one because you know what? That was an awful call, and we yeah. got a real soft one immediately after to, to kind of almost Balance make it, it right." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but has, going back to what you, you know, I said about this league table. So I said, "Yeah, the most overturned calls, most errors in the last, that. most errors in the last two minutes." Um, and it's just a learning thing um, for the officials. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Secaucus there, but any uh, call or, you know, out-of-bounds stuff, I suppose it, it happens, review in the last two minutes is done by Secaucus and not by the officials on the floor. I mean, the, the one I'd like to see, I'd like to see the last two-minute report actually extended. Well, like, like last five minutes? Well, like, it's all right saying, look, it's it's done for... Because they need in to the do last, it for the whole the, five minutes, really, because they need the to do the whole minutes. 48 minutes. Yeah, it's done for the last two minutes of, of what I can't remember what the parameter is, but close games. But within five points, I think it but is. If you, yeah, but if you have um, some horrendous call in the first quarter that mm. has had an effect on the game, or you see your best defender hit with a foul that was never a foul because you've lost your challenge earlier. That's already affected the game long yeah. before those last two minutes. And it could be that you're 10 points down as as potentially as a result because you've had to sit, be it Rudy Gobert or you've had to sit Jonathan Isaac or whoever else it may be, you've had to sit that player yeah. because of that error that you've already used your challenge and can't use a second one. Like, you you think these you know these officials are audited on the full 48 minutes of games and you know why did you make that call etc i i know a, a guy who's a referee in the uh, league of wales um and you know it's quite robust what they have to go through and they've got to justify every decision so mm. you'd think the nba had something like that in place but obviously that's not going to be something that you know you or i get to see um but yeah, all, all we need, all we're asking for is consistency, consistency. and, you know, for both teams at the same time. I, I would, I, a consistency, and I would like to see an openness, not just mm. picking and choosing what they respond to on X. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, what was it well, this week? The first one uh, about one of the magic ones where Dontich, uh, got hit by Anthony Black. And I, I don't know where people were moaning about that being a foul. It was a foul. A, a B did get him across the arm. I don't have an issue with that. However, to create that space in the first place, Dante has extended his arm before long before that. There, the first thing you learn in the in officiating is to look at all the angles. Now they got destroyed, didn't they, after that? It was yeah. really, really funny. Really yeah. funny. And they never chose to react again. To, to that but yeah we just want consistency we just want consistency so I think that's going to do it for this week mate it will mate it will yeah. so before we go going to give a shout out as we always do to our patrons. Uh thank you for the amazing support Barry Carr Paolo and Franz Warmth Ollie Law Gary Clark Angus Craig Dylan Holden Alan Kane Tom Sohn Mark Joss Sean Moore Liam Radbourne Andy Lindley, Stuart Benzies, and drum, drum, drummy, drum, drum. We genuinely appreciate you. I've missed out there. 
Paolo Franz Waltz, I think. No, Which you was... read him second. Did I read that? Did I yeah, read that? You read him out. I couldn't he remember if I actually read it. second shout out. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> After doing the the game pre the the number of errors I made on the game preview this week, uh, I'm looking the, forward to the, seeing these later. Oh, <laughs> the the Dallas, uh, sorry, the um, Minnesota oh, game. Minnesota game. Eighteen takes. Wow, eighteen takes. I will tell you all that I got six minutes through one of them. Started reading stats about how Minnesota were. 10 and uh, 28 on the season and sitting 15th and realised I hadn't edited the uh, San Antonio Spurs details out and had to start that preview all over again. Brilliant. Yeah, wasn't good. But yeah, coming back to the Patreon, we do have different levels available and if you would like to check them out, visit patreon.com forward slash let's talk magic or the link on our website. If you enjoyed this episode, please Give it a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button on YouTube and don't forget to set the notification button. Leave us your comments, reviews, questions. We love the interaction. Please share what we do. It helps us hugely grow the show. Uh, follow us Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, all the socials are at let's underscore let's talk magic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. From G and myself, until next time, let's go magic. <laughs>